the meat of the podcast. <laughs> have you ever have you ever caught your have you ever caught your profile reflection in the mirror? <laughs> yeah. 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 This shit feels like I won't ever make it home. Graphics backed up, I got to get off of this road. Flipped on the gas, I swear to God, I'm in my zone. Hi, you're listening to She's in Russia. I'm Smith, and I live in Brooklyn, New York. And I'm Lily, and I live in St. Petersburg, Russia. On today's show, we address the question of the Russian government interfering in the U.S. election. We go over the main figures in the story, and we talk a little bit about how Russians, different types of Russians, feel about this issue, the issue of hacking, collusion, the, the whole meddling in the elections. And we also talk a little bit about your long landing strip. At the end, there's a, yeah, there's a juicy body update. Anything else? No, I think that's good. Um, people will get the meat of it when they listen to it. Meat, meat. Okay, I want to yes, call it meddling in general or like something like that because it has to include both hacking that people don't know what they're talking about when they say that, and like psychological influence and some other collusion shit. It's all three things. Okay, so yeah, okay. Basically, we're going to be talking about the Russian government's meddling in American politics and like somewhat vice versa, like maybe by invitation. Wait, let's talk. So it's unclear. Wait, let's call it. Let's say we this episode, we want to talk about the Russian. (sighs) This episode, we want to talk about the claim that the Russian government is actively influencing american politics hmm? okay direct directly and actively not just like directly in the geopolitical way like, but like through once, through various methods including collusion and hacking those yeah, are like I, the two i guess well i would say i think no i think there are three i think it's like hacking as in like the release of emails from the dnc the second thing is some kind of like it's much harder to define because it's like fake news potentially from Russian people. Is that also hacking? Mm, no, that's hacking. like propaganda. Okay, some kind of propaganda, and I I don't know what that is. And then the third thing is collusion, like Trump's administration colluding with members of the Russian government to become to have Trump become president. Right. So let's just overall call that like Russian government meddling. Is that fine? Meddling. Meddling. Here's a medal for you and a medal for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Obviously, this is like a very, it's this conversation. Controversial. controversial, But this, this like topic is on everybody's brain in America because it's just being talked about so much. Um, But before we like start sort of talking about the details and like, what exactly is going on in terms of, I guess it's like a combination of propaganda and people's 
image of what is going on is like ultimately what we want to talk about. We just wanted to like run through a quick summary of what has happened so that if you are like one of those people, which I was definitely among those people until maybe yesterday where like you're having a hard time keeping track of who's involved, like what exactly has happened. We're just going to run through a brief summary. The, the way we're choosing to do it is to just like pick a select number of people that have been involved in being like accused of some sort of like Russian collusion and just like going over what their role is as a way of summarizing. And we're going to leave out like more small stuff like on this day, Trump tweeted this about Russia and just like try to focus on the the central figures. Right. Yes. Small. Um, So, so, I'm going to sort of be, I have a document up, so I I might sometimes sound like I'm reading, but we're going to cover... Because you will be. There's six people, okay? And I'm going to address them in, like, chronological order from from when they were first associated with, like, problems, quote-unquote, with the Russian government. Um, So the first person is Paul Manafort, and he worked as a campaign manager for years before starting a firm focused on lobbying for generally suspect international political figures. He's like worked in the Philippines. He's worked in Angola. He's worked in, um, Ukraine, Ukraine. Yeah. Ukraine is like the main one that I'm going to talk about, but Basically, he does a combination of things. He'll lobby for international political figures in Washington, both to get money sent to those regions and then also to sort of curry favor for a given political figure in another country, but in America. So that's like sort of an interesting thing to think about that there are people, there are Americans in the U.S., um, sort of trying to change the PR of political figures in other countries. So that's like Paul Manafort's deal. He was um, sort of a social pariah in terms of working for presidential campaigns because he had this connection with pro-Russian Ukrainian parties and both Republicans and Democrats were wary of having him uh, come on. That is until the Trump campaign. So he's taken on as the chairman of Trump's campaign. And then in the last summer, in I think August of 2016, the New York Times reports that he was paid his like consulting firm was paid approximately 12 million dollars by Yanukovych which was the Russian backed Ukrainian president who was ousted in 2014 during the Ukrainian revolution which we like referenced a little bit on episode 1 during that time he's also under investigation by the FBI for his like political and business dealings not having to do with Trump so after this comes out in the New York Times he is he he resigns from from the Trump campaign um so if you just think about Paul Manafort like just think international manipulator i think is a fair way to say like going into the ukrainian stuff a little more deeply he he first got involved in like ukrainian politics in like 2005 2006 um but then kind of came back into full force in in 2010 when yanukovych was making a presidential bid and basically orchestrated his campaign to make him more 
European friendly while still maintaining somewhat good ties with Russia. But Putin obviously was not a fan of Paul Manafort at the time because Paul Manafort was encouraging Yanukovych to take this pro-EU stance and, and oh. Putin was was anti-EU. So so that's that's like the first person it comes that comes out and everybody's like, oh my God, this guy's talking to the Ukrainians. And it's like, yeah, well, that's weird though. That's, that's how he gets paid money. Yeah, but that's weird that like he was the one who made Yanukovych more pro EU because that would that would make you think that he was like that the Democrats would like him. Boop, boop, yeah, boop. I mean this this was in 2010, um, and then I think following the the revolution in Ukraine, he, he he yeah, but the revolution's exactly connected to that issue, so it's weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, because Yanukovych doesn't really fall through with his EU promise. Like Paul Manafort tells him, like you need to run on this platform in order to be elected. But then the real goal is to maintain strong ties with Russia, and so you run on this to get elected, and then to potentially get backing from like American politicians, and then you don't actually follow through, and then people revolt. Okay, but let's let's move at on. At the time, at the time, Manafort's working like privately, right? He's working, yeah, he's working privately. I mean, he's always, like, working privately, right? Like, I think he's not, he's not like, an elected official. He's a private citizen, always. Okay, so that's Paul Manafort. The second person is, this is a short one, Carter Page. And Carter Page is just, like, a probably billionaire businessman at this point. Um, and he worked as a foreign policy advisor for the Trump campaign because he apparently, like, knows a lot about Russia and has done a lot of, like business there and maybe like dealt with policy i'm not sure but in 2016 intelligence agencies reported that carter page had contact with russian business people who are on the sanctions list so when the u.s government files sanctions against a given country a lot of the times and particularly in the russian case they'll list specific businesses that you're not allowed to do business with, like big Russian companies. Um, so Carter Page is known to be interacting with these people and it's reported. And so he resigns in September 2016 as a foreign policy advisor for the Trump campaign. Later, the Trump campaign tries to dense, distance themselves from him. Trump says, oh, I never even met the man. Um, and then later, Carter Page's name shows up in that dossier which we'll talk about in more detail later all right so that's we have paul manafort and we have carter page and then we have michael flynn and michael flynn is a lieutenant um, and he served as a security advisor during the trump campaign and he also is like kind of a trash human as far as i can tell he spread a lot of uh bs about like conspiracy theories around hillary clinton if you guys remember the pizza controversy um he also gave a speech at the rnc where he chanted like lock her up he's like he kind of seems like a shitty person and he's asked to come on as the national security advisor for the new administration even though obama like in meeting with trump says like i really would not hire this person and then it comes out that he had a call with the russian ambassador sergey kislyak is that how that's pronounced kislyak I don't know, Kislyak, probably. Kislyak. No e. Okay. On December 29th. 
which is the same day that Obama instates sanctions on Russia for hacking. And records show that Flynn discussed the sanctions, which is illegal under this thing called the Logan Act that bars unauthorized U.S. citizens from negotiating with foreign powers in disputes with the United States. So Trump isn't in office at that point yet. In late January, the Wall Street Journal reports that Flynn is under investigation by U.S. counterintelligence agents for his communications with Russian officials, and Flynn resigns on February 13th. Um, he offers to testify to Congress for all this like Russian government investigation stuff in exchange for immunity, and Congress is like, no. Uh, and then he recently got subpoenaed like within the past few weeks, and he's been pleading the fifth. Okay, so we have Paul Manafort. Subpointed. Subpointed. We have Paul Manafort, Carter Page, Michael Flynn. So we're halfway through. We're halfway through. We're almost there. Not even. I have more people, but. Okay, well. You haven't even talked about Tillerson. What are you doing? No, I'm not talking about Tillerson. He's not on the list. Because this is just. He's not on the list. (laughs) Shut up. I made a list, goddammit, and I'm sticking to it. You stick to your list. He's on my list. All right, all right. Well, I don't want to just spend a bunch of time doing, like, here's this person. You're the one who made up the fucking list idea. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. And I got my six people, and you didn't put it on the document like you were supposed to. You texted me that literally, like, two minutes. Oh, my God. All right, all right. Shut your trap. I'm going to kill you. Also, I don't think... I'm going to mute you. I don't think that you should... When you edit this, I don't think you should start with this, because this is, like, really dense. I think that we should be giving a big picture, but you can keep going. So third person... Fourth, excuse me, fourth person is Jeff Sessions, which is like probably my least favorite person in the administration. He's just like, Izzy and I like to say that he looks like a, a turtle with no shell that's been like rolling around in an oil bath or something horrible. <laughs> um, so he meets with Russian officials twice. Still, again, Kislyak. So this Kislyak ambassador keeps popping up. Please pronounce it key. Ki Kislyak. 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 Um, Kislyak. 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 Uh, <laughs> he so he meets with with this ambassador twice prior to the inauguration and then lies about it to Congress during his confirmation hearing. Um and then after it comes out that he lies, and so he recuses himself from the Russia investigation. The the only other note I have about him is that like he's a bag of shit. And I hate him. Um, I, I hate him not for the Russia stuff, but specifically for his like reversal of the drug war. Yeah, he's like a horrible racist oily turtle. Almost Comster. there. Combs, our, our tall six foot eight friend, James Comey. Okay, so I think most people probably recognize his name the most at this point. I'm not sure. But he was the former FBI director and he opens a campaign an investigation into the Trump campaign, Russia affiliation in July, but doesn't talk about it until very recently. And then he, so he briefs Trump on the dossier, which again, we'll talk about later in January. And in a meeting, it's reported in February that Trump asks Comey to stay behind and then tells Comey to consider imprisoning reporters over leaks and that, quote, I hope you can see your way to clear to letting this thing go, to letting Flynn go. Um, And then in testimony to Congress, Comey said that Russia is the greatest threat of any nation on earth. One of the biggest lessons learned is that Russia will do this again. He's referring to the hacking. Because of the 2016 election, they know it worked. 
He also said that Russia should pay the price for interfering. And then Comey requests more money for the Russia investigation in early May. And then he's fired by Trump on May 9th, my birthday. Woohoo! Great birthday present. All right. So then last but not least is Trump's dear son-in-law and husband of Ivanka, Jared Kushner. So Jared Kushner, like Carter Page... No, he's not a van- he's not one of the vampires. Oh, he's sorry, the vampires are the ones who are birthed by. Him. Yeah, oh god, yeah. I get confused. Jerry Kushner is like fine, handsome businessman. So he so reports surface that he met with sanctioned Russian businesses as in the same way that Carter Page did. Uh, what but kind the, of businesses? I think he met with a bank, a Russian bank. But he, so Jared Kushner has his own real estate company also so he was meeting sort of like on behalf of his company in like a weird interim period where maybe he shouldn't have been doing business but also he shouldn't have been meeting with these like russian businesses that have sanctions on them okay 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 but the the big news with jared kushner that came out on may 26th so just like a few like a week and a half, two weeks ago, um, and this was reported in the Washington Post, is that, and I'm quoting here, reported that U.S. intelligence officials had, in the course of modern Ambassador Kislyak in December 2016, overheard him relaying to Moscow a request from Kushner to establish a secret and secure communication channel with the Kremlin using Russian diplomatic facilities. According to the report, Kislyak reportedly was taken aback by the suggestion that would have carried security risks for Moscow as well as the Trump team. In response to this, former acting CIA director John E. McLaughlin commented, quote, if an American intelligence officer had done anything like this, we consider it espionage. Um, And then Kushner, in addition, just has a bunch of undisclosed encounters with Kislyak. And Jared Kushner's role in the White House is like senior presidential advisor or something along those lines so he is employed by the american people unfortunately um yeah so those are the six people we'll probably like reference them and then i think lily has other people to talk about but do you want to talk about those people now or what um so no is the short answer okay um but because because the the thing that the thread throughout all of these names that you just read Except for maybe Kushner's asking for a secure line, right? He's the one who asked for it, right? Yeah. So the thread through all of these... Yes, for a back channel between the White House and the Kremlin. Who did he ask? He asked Kislyak. What an idiot. Why wasn't he being more careful? It feels really crazy. And just to sort of over... To look at this whole thing, like in the big picture... These guys all have kind of weird, not weird, they just have business ties, right, with Russia. And something that's really important that maybe people don't understand and that Maxine Waters points out, and I think she's the one who's who's really like most maybe vocal about these all these business ties and how what they add up to, um, is that the sanctions that Obama originally put in place. So not the sanctions for hacking, but the sanctions for for Crimea, Ukraine. for U- Ukraine, yeah. Um, or potentially for Syria, but I keep forgetting. 
those sanctions are making it, I guess, hard to do business, definitely hard to do business for Russians and for companies that have interests in Russian, like oil, for example, uh, these sanctions are stopping them from like closing deals and it's like billions of dollars. So you're like, it just, I like the way Maxine Waters' thing is that she is like, look at all these people, right? Look at, um, she names like Paul Manafort, definitely. She, she talks about Tillerson a lot because he's Tillerson. What's Tillerson's role again? He's the secretary of state. Right. So don't put that in. I know who the secretary of state is. Rex Tillerson, like, was the one when he worked for ExxonMobil who negotiated this big deal to drill in the Russian Arctic. And that deal can't go through while there are sanctions. And it just seems very kind of like... So Maxine Waters says, look, there's Tillerson, right? There's um, this guy Wilbur Ross who... This is much more fuzzy how he's connected, but he he presided over a deal with a Russian businessman who has ties to potentially Putin and maybe other politically connected oligarchs. And it was like when he was the vice chairman of the Bank of Cyprus. I can go on about Cyprus and Russia. That's separate. Yeah, let's talk about that at a different time. Um, But basically... Tillerson, Wilbur Ross, to add to your list. And then she always mentions Manafort, of course, because his sort of, like, position, Manafort's, has been to lift these sanctions. Um, And lifting these sanctions, according to her narrative, is making it possible to drill in the Russian Arctic. So it's a giant quid pro quo. Quid pro quo. Clusterfuck. (laughs) Clusterfuck. And the narrative of wanting to make a giant oil deal, for example, kind of makes sense. And it's definitely like if we weren't worrying about, um, you know, the fact that this could cause impeachment and this is a serious like political issue, if we were just thinking about Trump as like a businessman and all these other dudes as like crusty businessmen, this would be obvious that this was happening. Yep, that's happening but I think the what I'm confused about, honestly, when I like read about the Russian issue or whatever we call it, the Russian meddling issue, right? In the US in US media, I'm confused about like why it's not more clear what's going on. Yes. Why okay. is this so, so yes. fucking confusing? Yes. Like Trump so, is a slimy businessman. Yes, I'm sure he wants to close a deal. If that is what's going on, then, like, it th- th- wouldn't surprise anyone. But for some reason, that's just a side narrative that, like, well, okay, so there's a couple of things going on. It may seem obvious, and there are a few side narratives, but there's also very, very little public evidence to none, which means that people need to stop acting like this is people being the media need to stop reporting on this issue as though it's a fact because it's right. an investigation. Okay. So, so, well, as if it's a fact, th- this is, this is something I, I was talking to Grace about yesterday, that thing where like you read all this stuff and you're like, there's no cohesive narrative. Like there's nobody arguing 
like this is what's going on and these are the pieces of evidence that support it. It's all just like a disparate grabbing of anything that's Russia related. And so in my mind, it's because there's not actually really anything going on and or there might be small things that were done that shouldn't have been done. For example, like Jeff Sessions talking to Kislyak or Michael Flynn talking to Kislyak on the day that Obama created more sanctions against Russia. Like those things are by some legal or maybe like ethical standing not okay. But why? there is wait, 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 wait. Why can't they? T- I don't get why people can't talk to Russian diplomats. You you can talk to Russian diplomats, but you can't talk to Russian diplomats and then lie about it when you're being confirmed for Attorney General of the United States. On Michael Flynn's side, you you're there's a law that says that you can't be like a U.S. citizen and be trying to make like political deals, and that call happened before they before Trump was inaugurated, and so. Anybody who was to be in his administration was still still technically just a U.S. citizen. Okay. 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 Um, but but yeah, I agree with you. It's very confusing because it doesn't appear that anything is going on, and Democrats and liberal media are just like clinging to anything that's Russia related. Like for example, I was reading um, an article about I don't think I. Wait, oh no, I do still have it up. Um, about Greg Gianforte, who is... Did you hear about him? No. He was a congressional candidate in Montana who recently won. They had a special election because the congressman for that district or region uh, was hired by the Trump administration. So the, the position was open. So they had a special election, which just means an election out of the cycle, you know? So this, this guy's famous because... Like the day of or the day before the election, a reporter asks him about the Russia investigation and he body slams him. What? Yeah. And he still won because like 30% of the votes were already in or something because they have early voting in Montana. But I'm just introducing this guy. So this is in The Guardian, and they write an article that's titled GOP candidate Greg Gianforte has financial ties to U.S. sanctioned Russian companies. And then the article is basically just like, yeah, this man has money in an international mutual fund that has stock in Russian companies. I think this is just like kind of epitomizes what Democrats and liberal media are doing, which is that they see the word Russia and they know that it's it's getting to the point where like it's a toxic word, you know, and if they can find any tie to Russia, then that will negatively impact a a candidate. For example, so uh, in this article, they're quoting the spokesperson for the this candidate's opponent. The person says Montana voters deserve to know why Greg Gianforte held onto his shady Russian investments after Putin invaded Ukraine. And again, when Russia was accused of interfering in the presidential election, instead, Gianforte kept his Russian ties secret during his failed run for governor last year, as if like having a mutual fund that invests in Russian companies is like shady 
and that it's secret. It's just like, it's really ridiculous to me. Like, it's entirely possible that I have investments in Russian companies. Yeah. Like, when you when you make an investment in an inter- international mutual fund, like, a huge part of the global economy probably comes from Russian companies. So it's but just, you, it's really ridiculous. Are you put, yeah, and also, it's not secret. It's just someone's personal information, right? Like Yeah, and he, and he turned over all this information when he was running for Congress. I just think it's like the whole, like, I don't want to, I don't want to call it a witch hunt, but some aspects of it do feel like a witch hunt. Yeah, I know. It sucks when you like agree with what Trump says. Yeah. Then you feel shitty. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, I think it's like pretty obvious, like we just all hate him so bad. And we think that like demonizing another country and like shady international dealings is the best way for him to be ousted. Yeah, I guess the the other thing that goes along with that is like this dossier. So I do you want to introduce the dossier or should I? No, you should because I didn't look into the details. Okay. So again, for those of you that don't know, the dossier on like Trump's interaction with the Russian government was a 35-page like briefing on every interaction that Trump has had or that Trump affiliates have had. And it was compiled by this former MI6 agent. And MI6, I think, is just like the CIA equivalent in in Britain named Steele. I forget what his first name is. He now runs a consulting company that does like intelligence research and the dossier was actually first commissioned by a republican client back in the like primaries when they were trying to undermine trump's bid after the primaries were over obviously it failed and so Steele took on a new client a democrat who was trying to fund this investigation or this like uh intelligence research to bring down Trump in the in the actual election against Clinton. Um, and then after that failed, the Democratic client stopped paying for it and Steele continued it on his own and then released it. There were like murmurings that this dossier existed, um, but he eventually gave it to BuzzFeed News, who published all 35 pages. And the ridiculous thing about this dossier is that it's not substantiated. Like over time, some of the claims have have been substantiated, but it feels very much like somebody preparing a document to smear somebody else in a campaign. And so like he'll say one thing like, oh, you know, Paul Manafort meets with so-and-so. And then Steele, the author of this dossier, will infer the motivation behind that meeting. So his overall conclusion from this dossier is that Putin ordered hacking of the American election in order to undermine Americans, the American population's perception that like their democracy is this like shining golden example of democracy and that it's very stable combined undermine. Yeah. Undermine combined with an attempt to elect Trump in hopes that it would undermine western uh allies which uh, i mean whether or not this dossier is true the conclusions from the dossier are true that is happening now i mean i definitely think that relationships between america and european countries are 
weakening Poopy. because of shitty stuff Trump is doing. The The point I'm trying to make with this dossier is that BuzzFeed News publishes it in its entirety when other news outlets refuse to because it was unsubstantiated. And then Rachel Maddow brings this dossier on her show like I saw several days where she's discussing the dossier, where she introduces it. She says, oh, it's not substantiated. And then she proceeds to just like pull from it for the entire show and like have it on screen and highlighting things that are happening and sort of doing that like, oh my God, what is going on thing? And I think that just like she, there's one episode that's titled like, oh, more stuff falling into place from the dossier as if like, this is the, the, the dossier is like the only sort of like stable narrative we have about why it's possible that there might have been collusion between the Russian government and the Trump campaign. And so I think Rachel Maddow was clinging to it, at least in, in like early March. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't think that that's why it feels to me like there's not actually anything going on. And, and just the fact that I don't know. Just the fact that anytime the word Russia pops up, it like is immediately suspect makes me more disbelieving of any accusation. Wait, so the dossier just says like Putin, there's a, there's these two, Putin wants to undermine American democracy, to undermine relations. And it probably also says it, Putin, the dossier probably also says that Putin wants to lift sanctions, which he thinks Trump will do. Right, right. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't read the whole dossier. I just read, like, articles about it. I don't remember that in particular, but I want this to say... The- yeah, okay, so one, one of the entries in the dossier was, like... Um, and I'm, I'm like, paraphrasing a little bit here, so I might be, like, making it a little more extreme than it actually is, but was something along the lines of, like, his conclusion from it is, like, oh, the Russian government hacks the DNC in order to um, weaken Hillary Clinton's campaign in exchange for sanctions being lifted. Yeah. Like, we'll we'll hack you, and then you lift sanctions. No, but it sounds very, yeah, so it sounds very straightforward. But also, I mean, there's not more than one dossier, right? Because there was also in a dossier, probably the dossier, something about this 19% that I keep throwing around where, like, the state Russian, the Russian state oil company, Rosneft, like, okay. was, according to the dossier, offering a 19% stake in the company in exchange for lifting U.S. sanctions on Russia. And, like, the the offer, according to... The offer to the Trump campaign or just, like, a general offer to the world, like, if no, you can get U.S. No, to No, to Carter Page, to Carter Page. To Carter Page, okay. So, um... So, like, Carter Page is, what, uh, what is his role? Advisor? He was, like, yeah, he was a foreign policy advisor during the campaign. Yeah, and the the offer, according to the dossier, the offer for this 19% was made in July, so that, July 2016. And then the whole thing that everyone points to is, like, pretty sure there was, like, um, an undisclosed... Some undisclosed like um, deal was made, as in like the nineteen nineteen point five percent was sold, but the parties were unknown or something. 
Um, right. And this is the thing like Maxine Waters goes on and on about it. Right? Yeah, because that's that's for sure one of her like things that she points to. She's so if her whole narrative simplified is like Trump is in power and the people around him are in power in order to seal a giant oil deal has a lot okay. to do with that. It, it could have to do it could have to do with that. So having stake in Rosneft, but that's just like a little like, oh, we'll give you this much stake if you lift the sanctions. But then there's also this like drilling in the Arctic deal. Just so there's just a lot of money involved. So those are, seem to be two separate deals, as far as I understand, right? A stake and wanting to drill in the Arctic. Two different. Yeah, I mean, and I, Tillerson I, wanted to drill in the Arctic, okay. and they offer, and then like they being like some person at Rosneft offered, according to the dossier, offered this nineteen percent to um, Carter Page. Uh, sorry, it's not just some random person. His name is Igor Sechin, CEO of the oil company. Um, so, so what we're getting into is again, like we get we get all these juicy details from the dossier, and Maddow goes crazy with them. And I don't say that lightly. I mean, she doesn't go crazy. That's not fair. She gets very animated over them, and it's like. In 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 like the same way that somebody like Bill O'Reilly might get animated yes. on the show. And this just like is a we talked about this before. This is like this very strange thing when more liberal leaning talking heads kind of morph into these his, like more hysterical what we associate with uh right leaning talking heads. Right. And it's all it, it's specifically happening around Russia. I don't think this is like a thing that commonly happens. Maybe we're just not paying attention, but it really does seem like what you said, like Russia's this toxic word and it's it's like kind of infecting people. So yeah, so the dossier is this like it's it's really juicy. I mean it's full of details and seeming <laughs> seeming facts. It connects a lot of dots or whatever, or it just like makes a narrative. Yeah, it makes a narrative where none exists, but it's also no unsubstantiated. But right. So the thing that's confusing is I think that so we've been talking about all these big like what we can call like the oil deal collusion, right? Or like the business deal collusion. So how is that connected to the DNC hacking? I guess the only way it's connected according to the dossier is like, well, that was a way to get Trump in power so that this deal could go through. Giant conspiracy, right? Right on the part of the the russians quote-unquote well and also like uh sans whatever is happening in the trump campaign like it is it might be in putin's best interest to have trump in power versus clinton and so he might do whatever he can in order to have that happen regardless right, so, of sanctions right so it's almost like yeah and one big reason would be syria it's one one big reason so clinton it clinton spent a lot of time in her campaign and before but let's say in her campaign like really railing on russia as a country and again like that's not an exaggeration it's 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 a fact that like clinton had an anti-russia position and was specifically over syria and people in of different parties report being afraid at the time that 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 could like spur some kind of conflict potentially with Russia. Uh, wait, Russian political parties or American political? No, parties? no, Amer Russian definitely. 
But like, I mean, American, I mean, like people definitely were like, this is, I don't know if people said like, Clinton's going to go to war, but people who didn't support Clinton, that was one reason was that she really seemed like aggressive in Syria. Yeah. Because, yeah, and I don't know. I remember, I remember like, this is just much more emotional, but I remember hearing her say the word Russia during a debate and like, it was just so full of hate and like, mm. it was just acrid. She was just like, Russia, but more like, and Russia did this, that, or that. And like, we need to do this. And it was just like, uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, it, given the, the way, the way she spoke about Russia, it's like, no, it's for sure. It totally makes sense that, Russian people, Putin, the Russian government would prefer not Clinton. But that doesn't yeah. mean so it's like you can prefer not Clinton without without putting the other candidate in power. You know, you can have that opinion. And I think like this is a very the whole situation, right? Whatever we're calling the meddling claims, the hacking and the collusion and fake news altogether, it's my kind of feeling more and more is that just like some part of it is true or even like the intention is true. But the way like the the way investigations work is you can't say like that seems likely. It seems really likely. So therefore it's true, you know? Yeah. I mean, and you it's undermining the veracity of what is true because you're just like anything that has the word rush in it, you just put on the pile and speculate on it. And so it's really hard to parse through what is substantiated and what isn't when somebody like Rachel Maddow, who you would presume is like a thorough diligent person, which I think she sort of is, is like falling victim to this Russia hysteria in this like really gross televised way that is very off putting in male hosts like Bill O'Reilly and is also off-putting in her. Yeah. Yeah. And and there have been a few, and I mean a handful, of voices of reason in media. So I, like, one of them is Glenn Greenwald, our hero. Our hero in love. <laughs> to him later. But the, I just, I came across an article when I was just, like, searching for an overview of the, of the meddling hacking claims and i found an article on a site and i'm, I'm like scared to say it because i feel like it's gonna be like secretly some kind of like super like oh yeah that's like a right-wing like crazy cult but it's okay. called zero hedge anyone okay anyone um, anyone <laughs> apparently they do like as you could tell from the name like financial stuff but the guy who but they write anonymously with like pseudonyms and uh. I'm assuming like the person who wrote this article believing the Russian it's called believing the Russian quote unquote hacking claim. When, when was this article written? May 27th. Okay. So he says something or she, his pseudonym is a man. The pseudonym is Tyler Durden. <laughs> this article is just kind of satisfying to read because it, it just sort of, very reasonably points out the things we're trying to point out, which is like people talk about this situation as though it's a fact and it's not. The author compares it to other 
basically lies, or not basically, for sure lies that the CIA and other intelligence agencies in the U.S. have told the American people before. It's like, okay, WMDs, um, the start of the Vietnam War. And the author says, look, like, in those cases, those things were disprovable in the end, and somebody had to lie at some point, right? Somebody had to say, like, this happened. Like, the, Viet- the Vietnamese shot back at us. Somebody, like, has to lie at some point. So this is a quote. Most of the articles that lead off with reference to the, quote, Russian influence on the election, end quote, is about White House officials having some sort of connections to the Russian government or Russian businesses or just Russians. It's as if investigation of Iraqi WND claims focused on Blackwater murders or whether Scooter Libby had taken lessons in Arabic or whether the photo of Saddam Hussein and Donald Rumsfeld shaking hands was taken by an Iraqi. Yes, that's a very good point. Because, like, the same thing you said about how the word Russia just itself is almost, like, enough to start a story about nothing. It's, like, all these little side, whatever, side stories are being built up um, around what potentially could, like, you know, people having a conversation with a Russian diplomat potentially could be some kind of evidence, but, like, in and of itself is not. Just, like, their conversation is not evidence. And having hedge having not a hedge fund, having a, you know, a mutual fund, having investments in Russian companies does not, like, equal secret bad collusion, you know? It's no, just like, it doesn't. It literally means nothing. Yeah. So... So this author, one more quote from this article, this author is really pointing out that like this particular media hysteria story, frenzy, if you want to have a more politically correct word than hysteria, <laughs> <laughs> frenzy probably has like suspect roots also. Probably also about uteruses. Yeah. Um, it is, it's unique in some way. It's it's like it it stands out from the other lies that have been told to the American people. So this author's kind of going on the the opposite assumption of mass media well, sorry, the opposite assumption of mass media by kind of inferring that this is a lie. But even if you don't infer that this is a giant lie, it's being treated differently. So the the main difference is that claims this is a quote claims about Russia are unique in their wide proliferation, broad acceptance, and status as something to be constantly referred to as though already established, constantly augmented by other Russia related stories that add nothing to the central claim. And then they go on to say that this is this phenomenon is is dangerous. Oh, it turns out this is a liberal because it says as dangerous as lies and fabrications coming out of the racist right. Whew, guy from the left. Thank God. Thank God. One of our own. So, so yeah. So, like, I think that really succinctly sums up what is going on, and and then the what, like, or maybe it, maybe we need to talk about that, like, why that is a problem. But it, it really very much is a dangerous way to, it, as dangerous as what we call like these unfounded conspiracies and like fake facts that like fox news just says in that it's i mean i don't know exactly how dangerous like i i feel like it's hard to say but it's just like it's sort of like what we just said before which is like if you aren't going to be rigorous about trying to find out if something is true then it just truth loses value and that's already just sort of like cliche by now 
Yeah. But, but, but yeah. the, the comment that like truth loses value or like their warping our reality is always referred to in reference to like what Trump and his administration are saying. But people aren't realizing that that's like a phenomenon that's affecting every avenue right now. Right. And like, except for our podcast, of course. Yeah, our podcast and like this random. Where like, truth lives. Anonymous dude. And, and, okay, so what, Glenn, <laughs> Glenn wait, Greenwald. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I wanted to say one, one thing of kind of in reference to what that guy is saying, which is like, oh, you know, intelligence agencies have lied to the American people in the past. That's what something I was thinking about. I was like, why are Democrats suddenly like hanging on the word of every intelligence officer? Like we suddenly are just like the CIA had said this, the FBI had said this as if like those, yeah, as if those are institutions that have historically been like the golden standard for truth telling. Right. And the, the community, right? The, the intelligence community, community all agreed. The they all sat in a room. The they held hands and they agreed. <laughs> that decision to go start calling it the community. Someone who knows what's up in like yeah. In, in, yeah. in popular vernacular. A nice community of people working together cooperatively. Working together to, to fight for the truth. The CIA. The CIA. Um, <laughs> like joined today. There's definitely there's definitely uh, yeah, it's, it's Have like, you ever been, wanted to be a member of a cooperative community? <laughs> Join the NSA. Do you like, do you like overthrowing foreign leaders? <laughs> Join Honestly, the NSA. Yeah. The, more, the, the more, yeah. Ugh, I'm probably going to be like taken into questioning at some point because, because I live in Russia. <laughs> I live in, uh, she's in Russia. She's in Russia. Shit. She's in Russia. A new podcast has Colluding. just dropped on iTunes. <laughs> adding to the intrigue around trump (laughs) yeah so i think that's the main thing to point out to people who are like people who are left-leaning which i hope is our entire audience is like when you like read things the way they're being reported on read things about russia the way they're being currently reported on by most major media outlets the New York Times, the New Yorker, like the New Yorker, Washington the Washington Post, the New Yorker is not uh, exempt from this. They have, no. they are doing this hardcore. The more you read that and like, and like absorb that and are taken, like the, the more, the closer you get to what exactly what we accuse, like what you said, what we accuse Trump and the people who work for him and his whole sort of apparatus yeah, of warping doing. reality. Yeah. Right. And I, of course, it's not the first time Democrats have warped reality, but we're not talking about politicians. We're talking about the media. And, um, you know, Fox News and fucking Ann Coulter, right-wing, uh, right-wing talking heads, media people, all those people, give me more, Bill O'Reilly – uh other people with frog faces sean hannity sean frog hannity people. frog <laughs> turtle people oily bloated, bloated old white people and ann yeah. coulter um <laughs> are like have a, a, a well-documented by al franken history of being complete fucking psychopaths and straight up lying all the time in their books falsely citing things and that we really have to you really have to remember when you're like being like fake news everyone's fake now there's no truth that sorry that is for real and that was happening back in the early 2000s and before and it wasn't happening on the side of the left so like journalists 
who are more liberal leaning. I mean, it it always happens, but not this like blatant thing. So I just I feel like I'm I'm not trying to say that like oh it's all gone to shit. Like now these liberal leaning media sources are basically the same as Fox News. It's not what I'm saying, but it's dangerous to report in the way that they are reporting just for like the sake of if you care about like accountability <laughs> which i hope that yeah. a lot of these journalists do and potentially well yeah like I mean, Maddo think- is like all she's such a knight in shining armor and stuff but like i think i just think that they're falling victim to sensationalism right and i think it's particularly problematic with televised stuff because you can become even more dramatic in that arena but I think that a huge part of the problem is there has been a narrative for a long time where people look at talking heads on the right and they look and they say, like, look how, like, successful and persuasive these people are. And we need to do that in response because measured speaking. Yeah, definitely. Like, I one specific example I can give you is while we were at the lake house in Massachusetts, we watched Wiener. Did you ever watch that? No. Okay, it's a documentary about Anthony Weiner. Weiner, Weiner. Um, but w- the one thing that they said at like the beginning was when he was a congressman before he started sending dick pics to people on Twitter and stuff. He was a congressman for a long time in New York, and he had a very like brash, right, traditionally right wing approach to speaking in the Congress when he was speaking, you know, he would yell and he'd slam his fist down and he'd raise his finger in the air and do all that stuff. And he was a Democrat and people like right wing hosts would like bring him on and be like, you know, you're scaring the shit out of the right. And like saying those sorts of things where, because there just weren't Democrats like that. Um, And so I think that there has been a narrative. And I think especially after Trump was elected and predominantly on the backs of stations like Fox people got scared and they say we need to be more persuasive and then and then it's combined with this like fervor to get trump out of office you know yeah because if you it's like oh you have this sort of behind all of the frenzy that's anti-russia anti-russia anti-russian government there's this goal of impeaching trump like explicitly whatever like i it's like the 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 democratic establishment, the left-leaning media, the people who are all united by the fact that they hate Trump. This seems like a, a, some kind of golden ticket. And yeah, people are like, we need to do whatever we can to... to. But it's... So this golden ticket, like do whatever we can to impeach Trump, has a big cost. And like when in this article that, that Glenn Greenwald wrote for The Intercept, he's he's basically analyzing a New Yorker article uh, that was a cover story about Trump, Putin. It was called Trump, Putin, and the New Cold War. Um, And my, my, does the picture provide a great propaganda hour photo. Just the picture that is the sort of like, you know, it's across two pages, the cover photo or whatever you call it for the article. It, (laughs) I just want to read Glenn Greenwald's description of it. It says, beginning with its, what? I don't, I want to find, are you, is it, it's like all red and it's that one? With the Kremlin shooting the White House? Yeah. 
Yeah. So, oh my so God. isn't that amazing? Okay, so, it's amazing. Yeah. This is Glenn. So apparently, also the title of the magazine on the front cover was in Cyrillic. Um, but oh. let's just not worry about that. Um, so, oh, so I'll just read this quote from from the beginning of the article. Beginning with its cover image menacingly featuring Putin, Trump, and the magazine's title in Cyrillic images, Cyrillic letters, along with its lead cartoon, dystopically. How do you say that? Dystopically, that's right. Okay. Along with its lead cartoon, dystopically depicting a UFO-like red square hovering over and phallically invading the White House. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just his description of that image, which is like, it's again, it's like that weird, it's all red. There's the White House, ominous clouds, and then from above, this like phallically invading UFO which is the shape of, again, the blending of a Kremlin tower, I think. Or no, that's not even a Kremlin tower. That's just the church on Red Square. Yeah. Yeah. So, yay, church. Kind of like that's, really, that's really funny, actually, that they just use this church on Red Square. Yeah. They're just like, that is a symbol of Russia. Yeah. That should be our logo. So, yeah, in this article, it's like Glenn, Glenn Greenwald points out these like five. He's like, just like, he points out how all of this is very frenzied and frustrating and not responsible journalism but then he also kind of like points out like why is this a problem why should we care about this and not do this which is what we've been talking about and this like he has this part that's about basically saying the risk of a new cold war which is what our podcast is about is very real and very dangerous that's the title of this part okay i think yeah i think that people aren't really taking seriously how potentially like the connection between this kind of really aggressive rhetoric, um, anti-Russian rhetoric, and the kind of transition from rhetoric into violence. It's, I mean, at least even if it's not a, it's not like we're looking at a new nuclear war or something, but or a new Cold War. It's like getting the people ready or something, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think very much not on purpose, I think very much not on purpose. And I also think that people have a really hard time conceptualizing other conceptualizing other countries and in particular ones that have historically been more isolated, like Russia or like North Korea, where like nobody has probably a very accurate conception of what goes on there. And you've talked about this in the past, like how people are just like, is Russia still communist? Like nobody even like thinks about it. And it's like a massive country that has like people in it. But there's no sort of nuanced understanding of the people that live there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And that's something that we will be definitely combating. But but it makes it it easier to enemize. (laughs) Enemize. 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 Enemy. (laughs) Enema. (laughs) It makes it easier to turn somebody into your enemy if, like, you don't have a... If you don't believe they're humans in the first place, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, um, let's put a pause on talking about this from the Americans' perspective and, and switch... Or not pause, stop, and switch into talking about it from the Russian perspective. Get that Russian juice your correspondent from St. Petersburg. <clears throat> so I wanted to just... <laughs> so professional. 
<laughs> That's what correspondents do. They like to cough. <laughs> so I just wanted to briefly go over, like, I think it's going to be like three main sort of perspectives of how this story is being handled in, in Russia. And the overall way it's being handled is not being handled because it's just not so the the story of the russian government interfering in the u.s election uh the story whatever we don't have the meddling the hacking that's just like definitely not on the top of anyone's mind um and it kind of makes sense the reason why that would be just like it's really not um it doesn't really affect people's everyday lives in any way the way like it the way Trump being president really affects people's everyday lives in the U.S. There's the perspectives are going to be Putin, my favorite. He always has something, something gem-like to say. Um, and then I'm just going to use like a couple of articles that I I've seen over the past few months in one of the more liberal leaning, just not state oriented online journals, Medusa. Okay. And the, the third perspective is, oh, maybe there's four. Well, the third perspective is going to be like what one of my friends said, <laughs> representing, it's going to be representing the Russian people, the Russian youth who are like more open-minded and don't watch state television and shit and are my friends, all those youths. Um, and the last one, I guess, is just the taxi drivers I talk to all the time. So represented by one taxi driver. <laughs> So Medusa's Medusa's pretty quick. Medusa is this like not state run free online journal. When they present news over the past few months when they presented news about the claims, it's just very kind of dry and like this is what the US media is saying. Like no public evidence, just checking in. Kind of like that. Yeah. So I, I remember reading a story like back closer to the election where Medusa kind of just reported on like this is what the this is sort of what's going on in the US media. People are saying that that the Russian government ordered hackers to do this and that and then DNC um covering the story and again like maybe they all they definitely reported on the dossier. Um and then this most recent article I looked at from June third, which was yesterday, just covering a couple of things that Putin said about cyber attacks, hackers, and it was just like a quote of, of Putin basically. So this is like transferring into Putin. This is Medusa reporting about Putin. But Putin was basically like, how do you know the hackers weren't in America? Sits back satisfaction, <laughs> satisfied. <laughs> or like, or like just being like, I don't know. He had this great quote about like, the hackers could have been from anywhere. Like, it's just ridiculous that that the U.S. is pointing the arrow, he says, basically just like beaming this arrow at Russia and being like, the blame arrow. Um, but he also says something along the lines of like, hackers are like artists. They, You just can't predict what they're going to do. They could wake up in the morning and just decide to, you know, maybe they're feeling potentially they could be Russian whoever they are or they're maybe they're anti-western and that's why they decided to do this you don't know what their motives are and again like he keeps like comparing them to an artist which is like super hilarious it's like he says they could have like patriotic motives referring to to russia but he makes a point at the end to say that's all theoretical and like 
in terms of what the government actually officially does, there's just no connection. We just definitely, he just denies again, as usual, um, that the Russian government has anything to do with these claims. Okay. But he does kind of wax poetic. So that's his most recent statement from yesterday. So in this article, this article again is from this, this like, I don't want to call it liberal, but I don't know what to call it. Free journal. It reports on Putin's words. And then at the bottom, it just gives two little bullet points, right? Just in case people forgot American, um, it just says basically like American intelligence considers Russia guilty in organizing this interference in the 2016 elections. It just gives a summary. Okay. Um, and then it also the second point that it gives, interestingly, is that the U.S., the fact that the, that the U.S. could have been attacked by hackers from any country, which is like what Putin's saying, is something that is the are words that Donald Trump has repeated multiple times. Boop, okay. boop. So those two things. So now I can sort of transfer into that was what Putin Putin's latest statement. Um, that was a sort of dry article from Medusa Journal. And then like that kind of transfers well into my friend point of view that I'm gonna use, which is just that like these kind of articles that you know point that that even mention the the incident or whatever, the ongoing investigation mm-hmm. or the ongoing claim or or uh what do you call it when someone says someone else is guilty? Accusation. Accusation, which I was trying to say in the beginning of the podcast. Accusation. This like when they report on this this ongoing accusation, it's not an article, it's not a topic that gets shared in Facebook. Nobody gives a fuck about it. It's not something people talk about. What people do talk about, and this could be maybe a truism for any place, is again like what matters to them. But politically, people who read these kinds of of journals, these not state sanctioned journals, they're going to talk about like the corruption that's being uncovered in local government or something that the parliament discussed or something. Like if they're going to talk about something political, it's not going to be another sort of like who did it about the American elections because that, or, or even about Trump because like, so like why? What is there to discuss there really? Right. Um, I mean, that that doesn't really surprise me that much. I mean, look at yeah. it in the reverse direction. Like, nobody talks about when America meddles in other elections. We just don't care. Right, exactly. So, like, and and, and when I kind of tried to push and be like, well, if you if you try to sort of say, like, well, don't you care if, like, this is a claim that your government is doing this, potentially doing this? And the answer that I think... A lot of people would say, and not just people I'm friends with, people of sort of a variety of political tendencies would say, would use the kind of like, why would I be upset? Like, why would that upset me in my soul knowing the amount that the states has meddled in other people's elections? Okay, that hypocrisy is just so potent um, and frustrating for anyone who understands it that, yeah, it just kind of like dispels any like up in arms feeling russians might have in favor of the russian government i mean rather in against in favor of 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 whatever like the u.s government in this case and against their own government because they're just like well even if that is true like okay (laughs) you did it a lot or something 
Um, it just doesn't have a lot of weight. It doesn't seem important. It doesn't seem like something to debate. So, but the, but the so another another thing is just like I was asking about has the image of Trump changed in people's minds since he was elected, or how has it changed? And basically, I got like this. Uh, kind of like description of like if at one point people people like us when when Trump was elected it seemed like this horrible disaster and now it's like and when you look at Trump you're just like this is a horrible thing disaster is also funny because that's Trump's word but um now it's like people feel bad for him and I'm talking about like Russians our age. People pity. Yeah. And I don't mean like pity him like they feel bad for him and he he like should it's not exactly the kind of pity where like you think he's a good person in any way, but it's just a sad thing. Um and like Because he's so inept. Yeah, in public, he, he's Lisa. just such a clown. And like one I didn't really get this, but I really like this juicy example of that pity. Um, I didn't get this was happening at the time, is what I mean. But um, you know when when Trump met with Lavrov and other diplomats when he like shit shit talked about Comey? Remember that Russian meeting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was like supposed to be secretive or something, right? Right. Yeah. And like so apparently so like the White House, right? The White House, the house, uh tr- yeah, Trump's people you know, made it very clear to the Russian diplomats and whoever was organizing that meeting, like, this is a secret meeting, like, no outside media, right? Mm-hmm. And Lavrov has a, a photographer, that's his personal photographer, who just mm-hmm. also so happens to work for, like, a giant media outlet in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> just so happens. And, yeah. Um, I mean, it could actually just be just so happens. But... um called TASS, TASS, Russian news agency. And basically, like, I don't know, as I understand it, Lavrov just, like, or whoever on the Russian side told Trump's people, like, oh, no, 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 it's just going to be our private photographer, like, no media. But then, like, but, like, it was just so easy to trick him, kind of. Or, like, maybe he said in the meeting, like, who's that photographer? And they're like, oh, no, that's just my personal photographer. <laughs> And then it's actually like, didn't I thought they had like state run journalists there. Well, maybe that's who they're referring to because Toss is like a giant. I wonder, I wonder if that anecdote is true or if that's an anecdote that is shared to like sort of spread this image of Trump as a bumbling idiot. Not that he needs any help. Does he help. need I any help? I mean, plenty examples of him being a bumbling idiot. But, but. Like, like, let's say that, I mean, I don't know. It, yeah, I don't know if it's true. But I mean, isn't that how like, I mean, wasn't that the only kind of, like, media leak from that meeting? Or were there other... Or people also leaked, like, quotes from that meeting, right? Yeah. Who leaked not, the quote? It wasn't just the Comey thing. He also said... He also, like, shared classified information about Israel. And it's, and it's like, ally allyship. It's, like, agreement right, with right. us to, like, gather intelligence on ISIS. Oh, sorry. ISIL. Wait, just to confirm what I said before, Toss is definitely owned by the government. So, okay. yeah. Um, All right, but 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 the yeah the state so secrets. Yeah, but who? Wait, but who? But who leaked the state secrets? Uh, uh, he said that he said that. 
I think a White House um, staffer said that he said that because right after it happened, a bunch of people had to go and like make calls to the CIA and shit to like smooth things out. So like, I think a lot of people knew immediately. Um, it was leaked to the Washington Post, though, I think. I mean, even if the the like, so even if the like, yeah, the photographer thing isn't exactly like how it went down. I mean, it's. Not hard to imagine. I I imagine I imagined even before like hearing that story. I remember when I heard about the Comey meeting and like him being like he's a, and Trump saying Comey's like a nutcase. Yeah, I remember just thinking about like how those Russian diplomats who were there at that meeting, what they were thinking about Trump and like how hardcore they were like making fun of him yeah. to his face. Probably um, yeah. that just very that just seems very likely what the case was. So this story just kind of fit my imagination. Yeah, so pity in this kind of, um, but overall, like again, pity like the way. Oh my god! Actually, never mind. You're not a Harry Potter fan. <laughs> but I read all the books. Okay. Yeah, but you're not a true Harry Potter fan. What? What? What does that even mean? I, I actually do not know where you got this. You don't know what that means. Have you read all the books more than once? It, when I was younger, I reread some of them. God, I hate you. Okay, get out of my face. Um, <laughs> all right, but pity for something that you find repulsive or like embarrassing. Yeah, it's definitely not like pro-Trump feeling. It's, yeah, yeah. It's just no, like, of course not. Yeah, it's just I think like, pity usually is repulsion. Yeah, and I think and and then um, this friend that I was interviewing was like <laughs> made a really like quotable statement about like. He's no longer a disastrous figure. He's a miserable figure. And it's a disaster that such a miserable figure has come to be so high up in politics. I really <laughs> like I really like that. That is. It's nice. Um, so, so, yeah. And, but again, like stories, any sort of Rachel Maddow-esque breaking news, like maybe some things are going to be reported on, like uh, probably, you know, respected journalists of, of the non-state, media sources have like written pieces about about the meddling issue but again like they write the piece and then it's not really a big debate it's just like their opinion on it what they think is going on and then it's just like okay and then the taxi driver taxi driver yeah so i mean so another kind of perspective that just to transition into the taxi driver that like i could see a being similar to this feeling um, that a lot of people might have of like, well, the U.S. does this all the time kind of thing, like, well, you did it too, is also, I could also see a potential like general sentiment of people being like kind of maybe more people who are more inclined to watch state TV who are more pro-Russian, obviously, and more anti-Western. I could see them kind of being like happy about the idea that this could be true, like, this is it's it's very much like a direct fuck you and undermining to the to the American government establishment and democracy. And I could also I could see people being like, like proud of that in a way. Um, so, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, the taxi driver thing, I have a lot of conversations with taxi drivers and I'm sure I will be sharing them over the course of many podcasts. But they're usually pretty unpleasant because for whatever reason like the people the it's it's men almost always mm-hmm. um and they're like in their i don't know 30s to 40s to 50s like 
I guess sometimes there are young guys, but the unpleasant conversations tend to happen with the older guys. And they just, I mean, they, they just like kind of, they could just be really racist and offensive. And I just have to be like, sometimes I engage, but mostly I just ignore. Who um, are they racist? Towards? Black people. Oh, wait, they're like, they'll be like, in America, you have black people. Yeah, basically. No. Yeah, what? they're like, what's the context? They're really scary. No context, just like for them, like, what probably because of the way I think, like, um, I think probably the state TV in Russia has like will focus on police violence. And I don't, I actually don't, I don't know where this narrative is coming from, but it feels like. It feels like there is a kind of narrative stream that that is like very, very like racist, old school, like, like black poor equals neighborhoods. criminal. Like yeah, black equals criminal. Poor neighborhoods in America are full of gun violence. Those neighborhoods are full of black people. Yeah. Um, it's really, it's really like rough stuff. Like it's not. Yeah, yeah it's there's no. I don't know how to say it any other way than that. And I just whenever I have these conversations, which I not, I'm not having a conversation. I'm just sitting there. Whenever I am subjected this, to yeah. this <laughs> opinion, um, I'm just like, oh my God, I, yeah, this is a thing where like, if I was not white and I was in Russia, I would be, it would be extremely uncomfortable and potentially like, I mean, it would, it, it would, it would not be like anywhere near as kind of like, it would just be much harder to like assimilate. And, yeah. and like by assimilate, I, and all I mean by assimilate is just like pass as a Russian. I mean, that's obvious. Right. But like and I'm not talking about being black if you're just like not white, like or just any kind of brownness and just this like underlying racism that a lot of people have. And, and it, again, like we're not I'm not talking like I'm not talking about the good people, but this is I'm talking about like people that I generally get taxi rides with and like. People who drive Uber or other companies like that, like wait, but I thought you had a I thought you had a specific anecdote about how yeah yeah I got sidetracked. Let's just put the racism aside because it's just really fucked up. So um, maybe maybe that's something we could talk about eventually. Yeah, definitely should. So this is like a weird thing where I I don't know this guy this taxi driver was just asking about the states and like what life is like there, which is generally what the conversation is, making stupid assumptions, et cetera. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to ask you a question, like, because I want to use this for a podcast, but I didn't say that. Um, and I just was like, well, what do you think about Trump? Or like, do you, ha I said, do you have an opinion about Trump? And uh, he said, he was like, do you have an opinion about Zhinorovsky, who is this, who I like, didn't realize who it was at the time, but I know who he is. He's a Russian politician. So basically, I, I said, like, well, who is that? And he was like, he's like the equivalent. He's like someone I would compare to Trump because he's this, like, kind of showman, okay. like, very extreme figure. He just says things and, like, that are really controversial. But he's he's super nationalist. He's very, like, anti-Western. Um, okay. But that's not really – it's not really about the content. It's more about the role he plays. Mm. Um and that was an interesting comparison because I just like hadn't maybe that's a maybe it's obvious but I hadn't I hadn't Who heard is Janorowski? Um I mean who is Janorowski? He's like what's his title? Is he in federal government? Yeah. 
He's, uh, what is his title? Leader of the Liberal Democratic Party of Russia. Oh, okay. okay. Don't get confused by liberal democratic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, be nationalist. Yeah. Like, I saw, and like, I mean, I saw a speech by him before I heard this comparison where he was just like, just, he gets up in front of the Duma and he just kind of like yells about things. And he was like, why don't we just use Russian words? Why are we using all these like cognates, basically? Like, he was like angry that they used the word army, like armia, instead of vaiskar, yeah. voiskar, whatever. Okay. Um, which is the Russian, like, root of the word. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not, I mean, they're not not English. It's, like, probably a French root to army. But, um, like, the the sentiment being just, like, that language was one of the places in which the West was, like, infiltrating right. Russia. Vaiska. Vaiska. Um, and, and- army. Well, it's not exactly army, but yeah, it's like it doesn't. Matter. Let's move on, okay. please. So sorry. So like he, yeah. So the, he's just like an interesting figure and and very extreme. And he also made a point about um, this taxi driver, like that something about yeah. When I asked him about like what he thought about the claim that the Russian government had like hacked in, and or basically made. Trump president in some way or influenced that he was just like Putin doesn't have enough money to do that where do you think he would get the money it was just like really ridiculous and I was Isn't like that wait what that's Putin what Putin says but yeah that's what Putin says and I was also just like I was just like what like that's your answer I just I thought that was a really funny like angle to bring up because like the it's not about he wouldn't do that, but it's about he wouldn't have enough. Just to, he doesn't have the resources right now. <laughs> but he also he also made a point that like I mean he 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 was in a he wasn't exactly skeptical of Trump, but he definitely like he was like yeah like if I were to pick between or like it was very clear pick that like Trump was going to be better for Russia than Hillary again re war, um, mm. and but he but when he compares Trump to this dude Vladimir Zhinarovsky, he. I mean, it's not exactly like a compliment. Like, right, right, and right. he and he also is skeptical. I mean, he he says something like, "Trump can just like do whatever he wants, and he's never gonna get like impeached for it." And he compared him to Clinton. He was like, "Clinton like touches an intern in the White House and gets Such impeached." Yeah. I mean, yeah, he like yeah. said it euphemistically, and like gets impeached. And Trump can just like literally do anything he wants and say whatever he wants and no one can impeach him. And I was like, yeah, it's so annoying. Why? Is-? And we were kind of just like commiserating over that. So so this guy, this guy was a taxi driver, but not one of the quote unquote bad ones. No, he is bad. He's super racist. This dude. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Unfortunately. Okay. They're complicated people. Okay. <laughs> Very complex people, both racist and against Trump. Very confusing. Very confusing. I mean, <laughs> the racism is, we can talk about it another it's time. A it's, it's, it's simplistic. A like, yeah. I don't know where, it, it, it's very unfortunate. So, so I think that's like, that covers a few shades of, of people's experiences or people's relationship to, to story. Trump, to the issue of the story. Yeah. To the meddling. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yay. Do you have a, do you have a body update? Oh my God. Wait, I do, but we didn't talk about CrowdStrike Smith, which is a problem. <sighs> okay. I mean, it. You're the one on a tight schedule. My schedule's tight. Can I how long can you talk about card strike in like three minutes? It's just a really okay. So when we talk about the way the media is reporting hysterically or frenzied, whatever, 
uh, on the left, right, about, about about Russia. It's not only the way they are reporting on things that come out, it's what they're not reporting on that freaks me out. And that, one of the the main things they did not report on that I want to point out is that there's a company that the DNC hired, a private company that they hired called CrowdStrike to investigate the hacking of the DNC, right? right? right. So we're getting a little bit, we're not talking about collusion in general, we're talking about DNC hacking. CrowdStrike hired, CrowdStrike, the FBI doesn't even like look at the servers. CrowdStrike looks at the servers and they're like, we conclude most likely this is the Russian government. And based on CrowdStrike, everyone, this whole saga starts um, based on their conclusion. Very recently in March, it, it came out basically that like a piece of evidence that CrowdStrike had relied on that was like basically saying like the same people who hacked the DNC also hacked the Ukrainian military. Th- these people are called Fancy Bear, just saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Fancy, Fancy Bear. bear. And, um, yeah. I just like, feel like a giant bear like doing ballet. I, yeah, <laughs> bear hacking. So like there had been some connection and that they had relied that had been like a piece of evidence that had helped them conclude for whatever reason that it was russia so what happened in march of this year is that they quote i'm quoting from some article that i don't remember quietly retracted and that's a great way to say it Mm -hmm. just retracted that claim about the connection to the Ukrainian military. And the Ukrainian okay. military was one of maybe like three or four sources that spoke out about this and was like, hey, like, this isn't a thing. This didn't, this is, this was a blogger who was like pro-Russian or something. Does that make sense for them to be pro-Russian? It doesn't matter. Some source that's unreliable made that claim and like the Ukrainian military was like, this didn't happen. And then like a think tank in England also wrote about it. But I'm talking, I remember this, when I found out about this in March, like a few days after it happened, I like Googled, I like scoured Google being like, where are the articles? Like where's CNN's article on this? Where's the Guardian's article? Where is the New York Times? I don't know whoever the fuck else, but like there are none. And I think Ew. it's very fucking people, weird. Wait, people just, they didn't redact, like retract. They just deleted. Who? These, these media. Outlets. No, 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 no. It's that the crowd strike retracted a claim. Yes. And it wasn't reported on by mainstream media. Oh, was you're not, not saying, on. you're not saying that the initial articles were deleted. No, 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 no. I, I'm just saying that like that event that happened in March CrowdStrike changing their shit wasn't reported on except for by a few journals. And then like most recently, the only journal that I literally the only one I recognize the name of is (laughs) dailymail.co.uk. I mean, it's just it's 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 that. So so to me, that's like censorship on like a very dangerous level because that's that's a serious thing where like a little bit of the evidence or not even a little bit, a chunk of the evidence turned out to be wrong. And rather than report on that like responsible journalists, people are like, we can't deal with that right now because we need our story to have a narrative that it doesn't even have. So we're just going to not report on that. And th- yeah, sorry. I get really angry about that. No, I agree. That's, That's the CrowdStrike story. <laughs> One more thing to add in that uh, the latest article in May from the state Channel One News mm-hmm. in Russia refer. <laughs> So talk about referring to things as like they're facts. They refer to the hacking as a myth. 
The myth of the hacking. That was on May May 17th. And um, hacking floor. They also have a fairly recent story about. Remember that guy from the DNC who got killed and then there was a conspiracy that he got yeah. killed because he leaked? There's a recent article from, from the, from also from the first channel that's like basically saying, like basically just touting that conspiracy as the truth being like journalists in the States say that this is the man that released the documents to WikiLeaks from the DNC or the emails. Like this is the guy. And then the journalists are like Fox News, which... that statement was eventually retracted but it's just doesn't matter because that's like people read that here people who read the first channel or watch tv and then they're like okay cool we know who it is it's this dnc guy who got shot by the clintons (laughs) (laughs) oh my god all right i'm done let's go okay body update oh i just got a wax today Oh, nice. Every time I get a wax, so first of all, I was 10 minutes late, so they didn't trim, which fucking sucks. But oh. like, so they just left me to trim on my own yeah. later. Okay. Do you know what that means? So you're just, yes, I understand what trimming is. So you're just like full tree situation. No, Wait, no, but no. You- but I get wax. No, no, no. I get a wax that leaves like um, a like happy trail. Or not having a landing strip. <laughs> it's called the landing strip. Um, you know, that leaves I just hair. relocate my happy trail down. This makes me uncomfortable because my parents could be listening to this. Um, Whatever. Whatever. Um, Whatever. But just it, like she didn't have time. Usually they trim it all nicely. So it's like a nice yeah. little area. And like they did wax everything, but then they just didn't trim at the end. And she was like, sorry, you were late. And I was just like, ugh. But, so it's long. It's really like long. It's a tuft. Yeah. It's a tuft. But like when you like every time i get a wax so it's been it's been a couple months so it was like it was pretty painful because if you like wait more than a month it can be it's more painful and every time that happens i'm just like i just i my i'm sweating i'm like going through a little trauma yes my my body is just like covered in sweat and i'm like sitting on that like surgical table and i'm like i will i should never do this again and yet i do it yeah i know i mean i had the same feeling about my legs i feel like my i don't mind the i don't get as much if you don't get the labia wax it doesn't hurt that much that hurts but i think the area that's just like almost outside your bathing suit like right around that area actually hurts a lot i think on the what is it called the (laughs) what's the part of the mons pubis oh yeah that that really hurts <laughs> the mond <laughs> oh my god Ugh. okay yeah cool 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 drenched in sweat what about drenched you sweat. um i don't really have any body updates i got my second laser hair removal on my legs last week nice yeah. I asked them if they do. I after this, I was like, "Do you do laser removal?" And they were like, "No, no, no." <laughs> like, no, no, no. You come back one month. Nothing's in my way. Staying in my lane, fast car, race car, games, just car in my name, dropped off off the rain. Go 
that's the show. Thanks for listening. Our theme music is Shit Happens by Tierra Wack. Follow us on social media at She's in Russia, both on Twitter and Instagram, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play.